0: Well, I hope that worship was really encouraging for you. Uh, we're about to jump into the last message in this series, about time for some good news. I'm a little bit sad about it. Are you? Maybe not. Maybe you missed the entire series and this is your first one. That's okay, it's all online. You can go back and check it out. And uh, I'm so grateful. For the technology that puts this stuff up there, we can revisit it when we want, jump to it when we want, re-hit something that was meaningful and dig deeper and hit up the small group questions attached to these, all of that at gracefreechurch.net slash talks. And by the way, man, we are building up our team, getting ready for Tremont. There's tons of amazing stuff going on as we get ready to bring you virtually into the room with us, hopefully by this summer. Lots of incredible stuff. And if you'd like to be part of our production team, would you let us know if you're interested in technology or in how this stuff all gets put together or in cameras or in live streaming, anything like that, We're just looking for people to put on our production team for our live services going here virtually and going to Tremont. So hit us up and send us an email. Hit that great connect button. Just say tech team. I'm so excited to jump into God's word today. I hope you are too. We're looking at John chapter 21 at the end of our about time for some good news series. We've looked at grace, deep dove into it. We've looked at Easter, and now we're going to kind of cap it all off right here. Thanks for being here. Let's pray and get started. Dear God, we're so thankful for um, your word. Help us to understand it in these moments. Wherever we are, wherever we're watching, we got all kinds of different things going on. People, all different kinds of places. I, I know you got something for each of us in your word. Help us to clear our heads and hearts of distractions so that we can be attentive to you. We're just here saying we're willing, to do your thing. If, if that means making us uncomfortable, then good. If that means giving us encouragement, then good. Whatever you have for us, whatever we need, you know our hearts. Do it through your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 21, it tells the story of the last recorded encounter of a bunch of disciples, specifically Peter. In um the New Testament, and uh, if you have your Bibles, flip along we're gonna we're gonna you can mark them up, get your pens out, take some notes, get ready to to rock this um this message I think is one that has been jumping out at me this week and I hope hope God uses it to jump out at you and um, just want to start by reading this encounter, and then we'll get into it a little bit. It says this it says, It happened this way, talking about Jesus appearing to his disciples in Galilee. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus—they always drop both his names in there. I don't know why. Partly, I hope it was like some sort of like burn. I don't know. Like the disciples are messing with Thomas a little bit. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples are all together, and Peter says, "I'm going out to fish." That's important. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. Kind of flashback to Luke chapter 5. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John referring to himself there, that's how immersed he was in grace. That's how caught up he was in how God felt about him. He wasn't being defined by what anybody else was going to say about him. He wasn't going to be defined by his past or his reputation. He was going to be defined by God's love. That's free. But man, could we all be a little more like John? He loves you. Anyway, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards That's a long swim. I don't care who you are. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, because fishermen count that stuff. But even with so many, the net was torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You still with me? Something interesting happens right here. When they had finished eating, John, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, You distressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you were stretch out your hands and someone else would dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus was talking about the death in which he would experience. Then he said to him, follow me. A little later, Peter would ask him some questions about what was going to happen to John, who was kind of like trailing behind, snooping in on the conversation, just didn't want to get left behind by Jesus. And didn't want to miss out. And Jesus answered, If I if I tell what what doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. You must follow me. This reading in John chapter 21, so important, captures so much deep stuff. We got a lot to talk about. I'll read that because it's super important, way more important than what I have to say, is what God says to us in his words. But I want to break down this passage and talk to you about some really big stuff to cap off this series about time for some good news, and at the end of it, we'll get another picture of the depth of God's grace for us, a motivating type of grace, a deep kind of grace, an intimate kind of grace. But this passage starts with waiting. I don't don't want anything to start with waiting. Waiting is one of the worst things you could tell me to do. I want to see results now. Like we shuffle from diet to diet, whatever's going to give us the results the quickest. How many of people have lost the Kato 10, right, and then dumped it after the Kato 10 in one week? You're eating, you're eating apples and fruit and sugar and cakes and Kato's out the window, but it worked because you got your quick 10. We don't like to wait for anything in life. We don't like to wait behind people that are slow to respond to traffic lights. We don't want to wait for, I don't know what you're waiting for, like, What are you waiting for? There's usually bigger stuff that really frustrates us when we're stuck in the waiting. Waiting to find out what's going to happen in our life. Waiting to find love. Waiting to find someone who's going to accept us for who we are. Waiting for friendship. Waiting for purpose or meaning. There's so many big things that we wait for. And like, if you're like me, You get restless fast. I think some of us maybe have a little more of a tolerance than others. But restlessness is a part of our experience. There's a lot of space in life that's restless and waiting. I think people even find this in their walks with God. Maybe it's because there's a misguided expectation that You come to church a little bit, you listen to a message once in a while, you get into some songs that everything's going to be good for you, that Jesus makes everything smooth and fulfilling and right all the time. But I find this in my spiritual journey. There's a lot of space where I'm learning in the waiting. I got to deal with my restlessness and, and learn to set it aside with expectation that no matter how long I wait for God, he will show up right on time. It may not be my time, but it'll be right on time. We get restless in the waiting, and the disciples were in the same kind of space. There they are, right? Like. Jesus had told them he would meet them back there, but they're sick of waiting for Jesus, sick of waiting for God, sick of waiting for him to show up, sick of waiting for him to do something new. They don't want know what to do with their restlessness, so they fall back into what's comfortable or what's busy. Now, you could write those two things down, because I think that's our biggest thing. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what we fall back into this week, because I'm trying to think about what you fall back into, what I fall back into, and I think I think this is it. We, we fall back into what's comfortable, or we fall back into what's busy. That's probably not both of them for you. We fall back into comfortable things like people, relationships. You probably got some cell phone numbers in your phone, you single people, right, like that, that are the comfort numbers. You know it's not your future number. You know you're not calling up your, your future spouse. You're just calling up somebody to meet a need in a moment to make you comfortable maybe. Is that too close to the chest for all the singles out there? Like, I don't know, maybe maybe you got some things that make you comfortable. You fall back into some, some conversations or some people or some spaces that make you feel comfortable. You let go of stretching yourself or pushing yourself or... You just find what makes you comfortable, whether it's something that makes you feel good, whether it's something that kind of fills a space in your heart, you just fall back into what's comfortable. Or you fall back into what's busy. This is one is, "This one gets me, because this is what I, I think I fall back into when I'm feeling restless and I'm tired of waiting for God. I just try to make myself like as busy as possible. And and I think this one is like running rampant right now. So many people just got to push forward and do all the stuff and keep yourself busy. And you hate it and it's exhausting, but you keep running back to it. You could slow down, you just don't. You could let some stuff go, you just choose not to. We fall back into what's comfortable and busy, and that's where the disciples were. They're hanging out like... Going back to what's comfortable and trying to keep busy, and s- instead of just waiting and focusing on Jesus, they run to the comfortable and the busy, and they go fishing. He's like, I'm going fishing. That's his fallback. It's what he knew. It's his comfort. It's his busy. What's your fallback? When you feel restless, when you're sick of waiting, what do you fall back on to make you comfortable, to keep yourself busy? What distractions do you indulge? They're not pushing you towards your purpose or more fulfillment or more meaning. They're not fixing the gaps in your heart. They're not bringing you more peace. It's not moving you forward to your dreams and your goals and the desires God has planted in your heart. It's not doing any of that. They're just fallbacks. What's your fallback? What's your fallback? Peter and the rest of the disciples here, they're stuck in their fallback and what's hysterical is are getting skunked. We get so mad. Like I, This is the story of so many of our lives. We get frustrated for waiting for what God has for us next. We fall back into what makes us feel comfortable or what keeps us busy and then we get frustrated that it's not working out. It it seems so simple, yet I avoided so much. Clearly, the fulfilling path is waiting for Jesus and following him. Not just running to what I think will fix it. And so here they are, they're fishing and they're getting skunked. I know a little bit about getting skunked. All fishermen know a little bit about getting skunked. Sometimes it doesn't matter how dialed in you have it. It doesn't matter how well you know the stream. It doesn't matter how good those flies are tied. It doesn't matter how, how, how expert your season has been. It doesn't matter what, what, what gear you have or where you've been or how good you are with the gear. You just get skunked. We think it's just about being better, but maybe it's because we're in the wrong boat. It's not about picking the right fishing spot. It's about being in the right purpose. You know, they, they're getting skunked, and I think what they couldn't see is that there's blessing in that frustration. When God frustrates your efforts in the wrong direction, it's a blessing in disguise there's there's some hidden goodness in the frustrated steps that are off track you know it's it's so cool here that they're getting skunked and that Jesus shows up again and he's going to realign them and give them a whole fresh new start here at the book of the end of the end of John here but it's it's important to know that there's blessing in your failure i think what if they would have caught a bunch of fish? I don't know what would have happened. They probably would have gotten excited about fishing. They would have snapped some pictures, posted them on Instagram, and like, yo, let's do this tomorrow. That was an epic haul. Maybe they would have taken it to the market and they would have made a bunch of money. All of a sudden, their life would have been filled with all kinds of distractions that would have kept them from experiencing the fullness of what their calling would be. They would have missed the moment. Jesus would have shown up the moment they had been waiting for to begin with. You know, there's failures that you have in life, and there's blessing to be found in those failures. Some of those failures push you closer to your purpose. Some of the failures and the things you've dropped remind you about what's important in you. Some of your failures point you to your dependence in God. Some of your failures remind you that you can't do it by yourself. Failure is something we can embrace because there's some blessing hidden in your failures. Some of your mistakes, they have hidden grace in those too, right? Like your biggest mistakes, they, they can be an, uh, a channel to help you find how to walk forward better. We have... Blessings found in failure, and you can find purpose in your frustration. You can find comfort in the uncomfortable. Getting skunked has all kinds of hidden blessing. blessing. And I wonder if maybe the reason why you're not finding satisfaction in that relationship or you're not finding peace in that job, you're not finding hope in your own efforts and abilities, is because God is trying to show you his purpose and his meaning and his direction for your life. There's blessing to be found in the, in the failure, and there's purpose to be found in the frustration. And here they are, right? Like they're that what they needed was to remember There's this beautiful flashback in this passage, two of them actually. There's two flashbacks. I think one's more personal and one's more general for all the disciples. See in Luke chapter 5, this is how Jesus showed up to the disciples, how he called them. like He he, he met them in the same way in Luke chapter 5. We don't have time to jump into it right now, but it's an incredible story. They no doubt would have flashed back to the last time Jesus was calling them to follow him when he was asking them to throw the nets on the other side. They hauled in so many fish that they had to get an extra boat to bring it in. Like they had this flashback, the fish and the coals in this chapter. The coals, the burning coals would have been a flashback for Peter. That would have been a little more intimate and a little more deep and maybe even a little bit harder to get his head around. What they needed was, was to look back. Listen, the, the past, it shouldn't be something that you live in, but it's definitely something you could look back on. Look back on and remember how far God has brought you. Look back on and remember the lessons you've learned through those frustrating moments through the difficulties. Look back on last time this happened and how it turned out. Last time you had to walk through these difficulties, look back on and look at where you're at now and think, man, God has been good. I haven't always seen it. It's not always worked out great. Sometimes it's been difficult, but I'm sitting here now by His grace. I shouldn't have made it. There's some some of you that have been like, I shouldn't have made it this far. But here I am, a sign of God's grace to me, a sign of His strength in my weakness. I shouldn't know what I know now. I shouldn't be where I am now. I shouldn't have what I have now. Even if it feels like it's not enough, it's way more than it was. God is doing something in your life. We got to look back, just not tether it to ourselves. You see, that's the problem. The problem is when you're looking back and trying to live in the past. That's when your shame becomes an extra burden that you drag with you. That's when your mistakes become something that weigh you down instead of inform your future. That's when your failures get too much control of your heart to keep you from stretching out and trying again or trying something different. We got to learn the practice. God's people got to learn the practice of looking back and seeing God and less of ourselves in our story. And so the they're on the boat, right? And this flashback, all of a sudden they're like experiencing this catch of fish and John catches it first. He looks, now that's a, a long way from the shore. It's not hard to understand why they weren't sure of who was yelling it to him. They could probably hear, hardly hear his voice over the distance and John looks back and all of a sudden he just remembered, man, this is Jesus. He did this before. He'll do it again. He showed up like this before. He'll show up again. And some of y'all, that needs to be the cry of your heart because you're frustrated in the waiting. You're restless. It doesn't seem like God's showing up. It doesn't seem like he's listening. You're not finding what you want out of life. You feel all alone on the boat. It's not working. The plan isn't coming to fruition. You don't know if it's ever going to be better, and you just need to say, He's got me this far, He'll get me the rest of the way. He's going to show up for me, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it in this moment. I know it to be true. God is faithful, even when I'm not, He's not going to let me go. Peter's like, Man, it's Him again, it's the Lord. Or John, sorry, it says it's the Lord. And Peter, he just jumps out of the boat. The flashbacks were so important and they triggered, they triggered John. And John triggered Peter. We got all kinds of triggers in life. Man, I got, I got, I got so many triggers, uh, some, some of them just trigger my anger. Some of them trigger my joy. Some of them trigger my depression. I got all kinds of things, buttons we used to call them, that people could push or things would push that would send me back. I remember after my brother's car accident, there's so many triggers that would send me back the car type, the all, all those things—the smell of a hospital room—all would trigger this flood of emotions that I can't control, and it's so difficult to deal with the triggers in life. You probably have triggers that set you off at home, right? Like something that that just causes you to go from zero to a hundred on your patience level, anger level, whatever. You know, like you probably got some triggers that 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 bring you down and sink you or fill you with anxiety. You probably got some triggers. We all have. These triggers in life that set us off. This is a a trigger from Jesus planted for the disciples to set them off towards him. I look back on my life and I have these things, these failures that trigger feelings of defeat. But when I start to look back and look for Jesus, Back there, the same failures that trigger the feelings of defeat trigger memories of grace. I've lost a lot, been beaten up a few times, made some epic mistakes, but what I see through that whole story now is grace. My biggest mistakes, when I look back, I have mistakes. They trigger all kinds of shame in me. I still feel that. I'm not going to carry it with me. But the trigger tells me I should. I have mistakes in my past that it triggers shame. But when I'm looking back on those things and I'm looking for Jesus in my story, I start to see grace in the place of mistakes. I start to see shame dismantled. And freedom from that junk in my life. I look back on my life and sometimes I have things that trigger hurt, pain, difficult circumstances. It can break me down and I find it triggering more hurt and more hurt and more hurt as this unresolved wounds. They just don't go away. But as I start to look back for Jesus in my story, I see little glimpses of his grace in small ways, those hurts become scars. and They still hurt sometimes, but I see His grace in it. And I also see how little by little, not, not, not all the time in big ways, but little by little by little, I see His careful surgeon's hand healing the wounds of my heart. My frustrations in life. I don't have to look far to see those. They used to trigger anger and bitterness towards other people. Sometimes I still feel those things because a trigger pops up and it'll make you feel some stuff. But as I start to look back on my story and all this good news that I've experienced, I start to look back at the lessons I've learned. I see my frustrations a little differently. And what I see in my frustration is grace. God redirecting little by little my steps. Him gently correcting my course. Him using my frustrations to put me on a better path. And my anger, it doesn't have a hold on me like it used to have a hold on me. It doesn't have its grip, the bitterness, I'm just not going to carry it. See, we got to look back without tethering our past to ourselves, what we got to look back on and see is how Jesus has shown up for us all the time. Maybe your experience with Jesus has been short-lived. This is your first Sunday. This is the first time anybody's talking to you about this, Jesus. Man, and so when you look back on your past, you got a bunch of triggers with a bunch of bad junk, and you're not sure how you can handle it. I, I hate to sound like some little old lady Sunday school teacher that you grew up with at some point, but man, Jesus is the answer to freeing you from all of that stuff because when you re-trigger with Jesus when you let him into that space that sparks the most hurt the most frustration the most anger for you he starts to redefine your story with grace and he won't let you forget what he has done for you. I love that about this. And so Peter, he just jumps right in. He's not going to hesitate. He jumps in. He swims. He, He knows that what his heart needed was not to jump into what's comfortable. He knows that what his heart needed, it wasn't just to stay busy. His heart needed something more. And your heart needs something more than just the comfortable and the busy too. And what your heart needs can only be found in the grace extended to you through Christ. God has what you need. And if you haven't ever played around with that idea, now's the time to start. If you've slipped into apathy in your relationship with God, now's the time to rekindle that fire and dig in. If you've been on some boat Finding what's comfortable for you, just been running the rat race, trying to stay busy. Now's the time to slow down and wait on Jesus for what He has to reconnect your heart and Him without dis- your heart to Him without distraction. Just jump in about that coal. Those burning coals were waiting on the beach for him. Do you know the last time that language is spoken? The only time that language is spoken in the Bible was when Peter would deny Jesus the first time he was around those burning coals. It's not a coincidence that John uses that same language to highlight what was happening. The first time Peter was around those burning coals, that word mentioned there in verse 9 of this chapter, he was disowning Jesus. He was walking away from Jesus. He was cutting down his relationship with Jesus. He was deconstructing his relationship with Jesus verbally and eventually violently verbally to the people around him. I don't know this man. I don't want to be associated with this man. The shame that sunk into his heart for that mistake, the failure in that moment the hurt that he had to carry, the frustration as he had disowned Jesus in a time where Jesus maybe needed his friend the most came flooding back. But here that trigger would change. The burning coals again as Jesus sat with him closely. They walked intimately because that's what God's grace is. His unmerited love and favor towards you. He likes you and loves you. It's deep. It's an intimate thing. It's a personal thing. You may not have ever experienced it. And you may not have heard it in church before. But God loves you, likes you, and is for you. And by the way, we are too. They go for a walk and Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you love me? Do you love me the way I love you? It's possible, right? Jesus Loves him so perfectly, so self-giving, so unconditionally. That's what agape love means. The first time Jesus says it, he uses that word. It's the love God has for you, self-sacrificing love for you. That's the love God has for you. Peter, he's like overwhelmed. Yeah, you know I do, you know I do. Redeeming the first fall of his disowning Jesus. The second time, like... Do you agape me again? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. But, but Peter's responding with this o love, not agape love. You know I love you like a brother. You know I love you like a friend. Jesus is asking him, do you love me like I love you? And Peter's saying, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm good enough. Like, I don't know, I don't want to make the mistake again. I don't want to promise something I can't keep with you, God. Your grace is too good for me. I don't want to let you down. Jesus is like, you can't let me down. Because the third time he says this, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? Jesus brought it down to his level, met him right where he was. Peter says, yeah, you know, I oh love you. See, Jesus, he meets you right where he is, right where you are. He meets you right where you are, and it doesn't matter if you think you can't live up to it or don't deserve it. That's how deep and good his grace is. He loves you with an agape love, a self-sacrificing love, the kind of love that moves mountains, the kind of love that brought him to this planet to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. He loves you with an agape love. And he just says, follow me. That's it. It brought a bunch of questions for Peter, but there would be no instruction manual. There would be no do these five things. Here's four awesome stuff. He says, what about, what about, I got tons of what about questions, right? Like the sermon brings tons of what about questions. What about this? And what about my future? And what steps do I take next? And what do I study in school? And what do I, what do I, what major should I major in? What kind of job should I look for in the workforce? What, what, what do I do? I don't know what to do. What about him? And what about her? And Peter has the what about question too. What about John, the guy following us, right? Like, in Jesus says essentially, yo, just follow me. Have your best in mind. I'm leading you in the right direction. Will you just follow the one who loves you? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Help us to follow you better every day so thankful for your grace which is poured out for us. Help us to look back on our stories and not just see the pain and the hurt and the frustration, but to look for you and what you have been doing to draw us to where we are today so that we can trust you for what you have for us tomorrow. And for those of us that are waiting, would you help us just to wait on you, to not just run to the comfortable or the busy because it makes us feel better, but to search in you for what you have for us. Jesus name amen